Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast, I feature Harlem-based gallerist Claire Oliver. In 2000, she established a Chelsea location, and in 2019, she opened her flagship in Harlem. She has honed a unique place in the international art ecosystem with a focus on showcasing and celebrating artwork by women and people of color, which transcends and challenges the traditional art historical canon. Many of the gallery's artists have been included in the Venice Biennale, the Whitney Biennale, and Biennales in Sydney, Pittsburgh, and Lyon. The artists have also exhibited work in major international museums, which include the Smithsonian American Art Museum, the Art Institute of Chicago, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and LACMA, amongst others. The gallery artists are also included in the permanent collections of many important museums worldwide, which include the Tate Britain, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the MoMA, the Museum of Arts and Design, along with the Smithsonian American Art Museum and the Art Institute of Chicago. The artists have also received prestigious fellowships, including the Fulbright, Guggenheim, U.S. Artists, and National Endowment for the Arts. I'm proud to feature Harlem-based gallerist Claire Oliver. Enjoy. Claire, thank you for joining me on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast today. I am delighted to feature you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm thrilled. Great, great, great. So when in your life did you recognize your love of the visual arts? I think I was six. (laughs) I was uh, just like a wee kid. And uh, I lived in Los Angeles. And my mother took me to the first King Tut exhibition, which was at the LA County Museum of Art. I was gaga. I mean, my mom wanted to leave. And I was like, no, I didn't want to leave the museum. And I just sort of, ever since then, I have been really obsessed with art. Uh, It is, when I was a kid, my dream was to be the chief curator at the Met. I thought that's what I, that's what I want to do. But then sort of, as I went along, I realized, nope, that's really not what I want to do. I, I want to be more involved with the artists themselves and not in the sort of procurement or study of those artists that have already made their mark on the world. What year did you open your first gallery? Uh, in 92. 
1992. So we next month will be 30 years. Oh, that's fantastic. Congratulations. And and when you were younger, did you have friends that were artists? I really didn't. Um, I mean, my I would say my friends were designers. I had some friends that were uh, clothing designers, fashion designers that actually have made it quite big. Um, I mean, that was sort of like our high school gang. I wouldn't say that I had like visual artists as friends, more, more people that were working with their hands, which I guess if you look at the artists that we represent, it, it sort of does follow through with that. Mm-hmm. So it's been 30 years. So fast forward to today. What would you say has changed the most? Oh, well, I don't think we can underestimate or discount the advent of social media on the art world. It's a double-edged sword, of course. There are really bad things about it, but there are also very, very good things about it. It allows me, you know, to to get out to a, a huge group of fans of my artists and fans of my gallery information on a daily basis. Whereas, you know, previously I would be sending, although I still do this, personal emails or personal phone calls. And it would be, I could speak to a very small group of people every day, as opposed to now where I can talk to 30,000 people a day, but then, you know, focus in on those three or four people that have further questions or need further information. Those people I can call or email. And and how how long ago was it that you relocated your gallery to Harlem and what drove that decision? So we left Chelsea in 2017. We already lived in Harlem. We love Harlem. Uh, We live five blocks from the gallery, so I get to walk to work, which is amazing. Um, I mean, that is probably the biggest blessing. Living in Manhattan and uh, being able to walk to work is fabulous. Um, But we moved here because we felt we really needed to walk the walk. Uh, We represent a lot of Black and Brown artists, and it's important to them and to me that their own community see them, be able to come into the gallery, speak with them, speak with us about the work, um, have a one-on-one relationship with that art that was made for them. And to stay in Chelsea, I felt be a little bit hypocritical on my part. I really work hard to foster new collectors and collectors from my neighborhood uh, and get them involved with the work so that, It's really been a huge blessing and an inspiration, and we are happier in this gallery here in Harlem than I think we've ever been. Uh, The enthusiasm for the gallery from our neighbors is huge. Is it challenging to sell work to collectors that don't own a lot of the big names beforehand? Oh, not at all. That's what I live for. I mean, I am so excited to see the look on someone's face who's wanted to collect work and has been shut out by other galleries or who has wanted to dip their toe in but been insecure or afraid or because they don't really know, they don't know where to start. And uh, we've been, I mean, we've had this the huge blessing of many museum curators and directors that have talked to these people and said, go and see Claire Oliver Gallery. They will 
hold your hand and walk you through starting your collection. And that's that's really what we live for. We love the idea of bringing new collectors into the fold and teaching them about our artists and how to leave a legacy for their children and their children's children. And to have a collection of artists that are from our, our gallery and from other galleries that are promoting uh, up and coming artists, this is something that young collectors, new collectors can leave as a legacy for their children because by the time their children are getting to the point where they're starting to collect, they no longer will be able to afford them. Like you're talking about these already, you know, established artists. Not everybody has a half million dollars in their back pocket to, to buy a piece of work. However, a lot of these young collectors have 10 or $20,000 that they would like to invest in, in something of merit and value that will, you know, be food for their soul and enhance their environment and their life. So those artists of color must really appreciate this philosophy of yours. Yes, absolutely. I I cannot tell you how uh, tight the relationship is that, that we have with our artists. They're really our partners. And we discuss every every move with them. We consult on everything and they consult on everything. And, you know, just sort of two heads are better than one um, philosophy. Uh, and, they, and and we ask everybody, what is it that you want to see happen? You know, that's important because each artist has a different goal in their life. And we want to help them get to that goal. Please share with listeners the names of some of the artists that you've featured. Uh, well, our, our gallery represents Gio Swaby. We have Leonardo Benzant um, up in the gallery right now. Adabumi Badabo, who has two uh, museum uh, touring exhibitions coming next year. Actually, it's 2022, so this year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Judith Schechter, Lauren Fencerstock, Barbara Earl Thomas, Jeffrey Henson Scales, I'm sure I'm missing people, but uh, these people we've worked with for, for many years, and it's, it's great to see their careers really blossoming. If I remember correctly, did you give Bisa Butler her first uh, solo <laughs> show back in early 2020? Yes, we opened February 29th of 2020 uh, to a massive crowd. And then the city shut down two weeks later, which was uh, crazy. Um, but even with the advent of COVID, we, we were able, we're so proud of the work we were able to do that we got her two major museum exhibitions even during COVID. And that uh, was a huge triumph. What, what do you feel is the role of the artist? Well, the artist is, is I mean, in, in sort of a larger context, the, the artist is a mirror of society. So an artist, I think, absorbs everything that is going on around them and then speaks about that in a way that society, you know, at large can understand uh, or question or engage with. Or create a conversation around um, and that is sort of the role of the artist in in society at large. I think each artist has their own, you know, raison d'être, for lack of a better <laughs> way to say it. But I think each artist 
has a voice and has a concept behind what it is that they want to say. And, uh, you know, it is our, our role as the gallery to help them say that in the best way possible, create the best work possible and get it to the largest audience possible. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that Black art can be defined? Ooh. That is a a tough question to answer. The gallery was conceived to represent the underrepresented and to fill in holes in in the artistic canon. I mean, after 30 years now, we have all of the machinery in place and we know the curators and critics and collectors, etc., that are of a like mindset or that we can help. Um, to understand this. Um, and I think overall, the world has sort of woke up to the fact that there are many continents. It is not, we are not only talking about Europe in terms of where art history is made. For so many centuries, it, it was so consolidated in a small group. And now we sort of realize, oh my goodness, there's this massive continent of Africa and all of these amazing things that have been going on that art history has sort of forgotten about or not paid attention to in the first place. And I think not only is that bringing a lot of Black voices to the fore, but it's also helping people to understand that fine art is not always oil on canvas, that there are many ways for artists to get their message across to people. And people are opening up their minds to what it is that they define as fine art. It's nice to see that things are changing as they are. And in in your opinion, is this a trend, this interest in black and brown created work do you feel it's a trend or that it will be long-lasting? I think it will be long-lasting in a way. I think right now there it is uh, maybe overhyped and sort of trendy in a way to have Black and Brown artists that are doing figurative work. Um, there's a lot out there. Um, not all of it great, but I think that that, is, that part is a trend. I do not think that the acquisition of black and brown artists is a trend, however. I think this is some this is a historical shift that I have seen coming for years and years. And I think it's finally upon us. And I think, you know, like it's always it's always sort of this convergence of events. So we have George Floyd, we have uh, COVID, we have all of these other things that happened, and the confluence of events has brought to the fore this previously underrepresented and under-understood and underappreciated group of fabulous artists. And I don't think that's going to change. I think they are, they are now taking their rightful place. Are you starting to see people more interested in abstract work? Yes, I am. I am. Uh, I have seen... I would say within the last two years, a lot more, I mean, there are ebbs and flows, you know, in, in every art trend. Um, but in terms of Black artists doing abstract work, which, of course, you can see down through the centuries, amazing artists doing this work, um, but it really hasn't gotten a lot of attention. But within the last two years, I have 
Uh, I've consigned quite a few of Adabumi Badabo's work to many different galleries that are doing group exhibitions of Black abstract artists. So I feel like people are sort of waking up and saying, oh, wait, there's this whole other group over here. We're only, we've only been paying attention to this part. This is other part that's really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Are you starting to see interest in ceramics? Definitely. Uh, and that's, that is something, I mean, we've been interested. We started showing ceramics, EGADs, I would say 2005, 2006. Um, we took on our first ceramic artist. Uh, and I feel like it's taken a while for it sort of to become accepted by the larger artistic community as not a craft with a capital C, um, but using ceramic as a way to tell their story. Um, We can talk again about Adabumi Badabo's work in that she is doing a series now where she has dug up the earth, the clay from the true blue plantation, which is where her ancestors were enslaved. And she has taken it to the clay studio. Shout out to Jennifer Swelling uh, in Philadelphia. And she has taught herself along with the help of uh, many of the other artists there, how to create pottery. Um, She's making a series of plantation pots using this earth. And I think that there is a lot of artists that are now seeing ceramic clay as a way to get their message across and the medium, uh, I feel like it is it is growing exponentially. And within the next couple of years, I am quite sure it will be, um, you know, just in the, at the same level as a painting or a sculpture, etc. And can you also comment on interest in photography? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the photograph has been around for long enough now where it was. People were very excited about it and then not and then excited and then not. So it went through its ebbs and flows. And I feel like now people have gotten to the point where they're able to discern the difference between a snapshot, you know, something that would be in National Geographic or something like this. Uh, as opposed to a fine art photograph. There's a lot of photographers that are that are using the medium in a way um, where they are s- staging their photographs. So it's almost like they're creating, you know, the, the storyline and everything for the photography. Uh, and there are a lot of photographers that are, um, let's call them photo safaris for lack of a better word, where they're out every day hunting for uh, that perfect image where they they capture someone unawares that is that has a big message to to say. Um, and I see this in the work of Jeffrey Henson Scales, where he was able to um, through his different phases of his life, was able to uh, sort of befriend and get close to people and to understand their personality and then 
when he takes a photograph of them, that personality comes out. You you feel there's a warmthness and there's a warmness, I guess. Uh, and there is a like just openness in the photographs where you really can feel like you understand what that person is about. Interesting. What are you excited about now, Claire? <laughs> I am very excited about our next show, which is coming up. Every year we try and do a group show with artists that we don't represent, that we can um, something fresh, interesting, different um, to the community. And we're doing a group exhibition of Black women printmakers. Uh, and it is amazing, this group of artists that banded together and they make prints that are one of a kind with all kind of embellishments and paint on them and interesting things. And they're sort of taking, they say they're the soul food of the printmaking community. <laughs> they're sort of taking this very male-dominated field, and they're putting what would be considered um, women's work, embroidery, quilting, batting, gold leaf, lace embellishments, all of these things, and they're sort of putting those on top of the traditional black and white print to create something completely new. And I'm, I'm very excited to give them a little airtime, a little space in the gallery, because I think people are going to, it's going to blow people's minds. They're going to be very excited. That's great. I'm sure the artists are very excited. Yeah. Uh, this has been a great interview. I appreciate your time. Uh, this is our final question, which is, how do you want to impact the art world, uh, both now and in the future? Well, I think... We have always felt that the importance of museums and public collections goes far beyond us. It, it's sort of uh, the artists that we work with, that we work to get into the public collections, they become almost immortal. They be, their legacy is solidified for generations to come. And for people to be able to see those artists that were a snapshot in time during the years that they were collected by the museums. That is very important to me. I sort of, I feel the legacy that our gallery will leave. I was just collecting the museums that we uh, sold work to in 2021. And there's almost 40 pieces of art that went into public collections of last year alone. And that, I feel I, that I am a big success for that reason alone. Being able to change the historic canon of art history and to get those black and brown and myopic people into the collections where they traditionally would not be collected. They would not be in, uh, included. Yeah, that's wonderful. Congratulations on that. That's something definitely to feel proud about. Claire? It's been great. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm glad to have an opportunity to share with listeners uh, the work you're doing and your gallery up in Harlem. Thank you so much, Phyllis, for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, 
please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.